Welcome to a special HBCU edition of Louisiana's Got Talent, a podcast brought to you by the Board of Regents. I'm Commissioner Kim Hunter Reed, Louisiana's Chief Talent Development Officer. We are once again taking our podcast show on the road. This time we're at the Capitol Park Museum for our HBCU Day at the Capitol and celebration of Louisiana's HBCUs. Today we had a ribbon cutting ceremony to unveil, unveil phase one of the HBCU Museum project here at the Capitol Park Museum. A phenomenal exhibit that has archival photos, interpretive panels with campus highlights, and specifically curated artifacts from each of our HBCUs in our state. It is the first time that campuses, these campuses, have been featured permanently in a state museum. Our first HBCU president to join us today is a repeat guest, a repeat customer, if you will. He emceed tonight's event, Bramlin President Rick Gallo. Rick, thanks for joining us again. Ma Madam Commissioner, thank you so much for having me and, and for uh, giving me the honor of being your first repeat uh, guest on your <laughs> podcast. So good. We have to do it twice, sir. We have to do it twice. So we are here at the Capitol Museum. You've had a chance to look at the HBCU exhibits. Uh, obviously, Gramlin has a rich uh, history. My parents uh, met there. Um, and so there's just so much that our HBCUs contribute to the fabric of Louisiana. What do you think it means to have a permanent exhibit in a state museum? You know, first of all, and, and as we're uh, so deep into this technology age and, you know, how everything is, you know, is done virtually and on computers, to, to have an actual physical exhibit in a real museum, not a virtual one, but a real museum, I think really speaks to the timeless nature of Grambling State University and, and our other HBCUs as well, uh, to, to have a permanent fixture within the, the state, uh, this state museum. And, and the other thing, when, when you think about not just When you think about not just appearing in, in the museum here in Baton Rouge, but uh, the, of course the Eddie Robinson Museum, and I saw your dad's placard yes. uh, two yes. days ago as I was doing a tour there uh, on the campus of Grambling, but also the, uh, the Museum of African American History in uh, Washington, D.C. There's a, a really big Grambling presence with Coach yes. Eddie Robinson and, and the, uh, the band. And, and there will be school kids who will visit this museum and foreign tourists and it's just so many people who will, will visit this museum and having a, a place in here I think is something that we, we're certainly grateful for and, and glad to, to be able to show the, the good uh, of Louisiana. So you have lived an HBCU experience. You're an yes. HBCU graduate twice, undergrad yes. um, and also Southern University Law Center. And so I'm curious, as a product of HBCUs, who's now leading a very historic um, black college university in our state, what's been the impact of the HBCUs on your personal life? Well, I mean, it's, it is my entire being. It is, it is who I am. I, as I sit here before you, I am uh, a representation of an HBCU community. Uh, and I often say uh, when, when I'm doing speeches during Black History Month that, you know, going to an all black nursery school, elementary, middle, high school, right on Grambling's campus. I mean, I, I attended the nursery school through college on, on that same campus. Wow. So, uh, and, and I, I, I'm often uh, just amazed at how 
sheltered my life was because the the provost lived across the street from me, Dr. Lamore Carter, and, and the business dean lived three doors down, and uh, the, the head of, of speech and theater, Dr. Sandal, was, was on the other end of Richmond Drive. I was surrounded by PhDs, and I just thought everybody had that in, in their community, and, and it, it's only now that, that I fully appreciate how special uh -huh. that, uh, that that upbringing was and, and so I think when, when I speak about the HBCU experience and the impact that it's had on my life and on the lives of you know thousands of people that that I've known uh, throughout my lifetime it, it is just it is so transformational of a community where where you really are surrounded by a community of people who are pulling for you who yes. want you to be successful and no matter you know what your interests are uh, you've got folks cheering for you and holding you accountable as well. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's the other thing about, you know, being in an HBCU community that, that your, your teachers will make sure that, that you're uh, getting your work done or digging in enough to find out what's going on with you. Right. One of my teachers uh, commented to my mother once, uh, you know, what's, what's going on with Ricky? He's, he fell asleep in my class today. And she said, oh, he's, he's pledging. But he cared enough, that, of course that was pre-FERPA and all, all right, of that, right? Right, right. but he, he cared, cared enough, enough to, to ask my mother, you know, what was going on with, with, with me. And right. so, uh, again, I, I think as we think about the need for students to really be somewhere that they're celebrated, mm -hmm. not tolerated. Exactly. Okay, that, that's so important and, and we're, our, our importance is, is as great, if not greater now than in 1901 we founded. That's an amazing and profound statement. Let me go deeper on that. Talk to me about the students of today who are Gramlin students or HBCU students or potentially future students. Why an HBCU? There, there is a confidence that, uh, that our graduates leave with that they will not get at other schools. Um, because? Because they have had a community of people who have been um, celebrating them throughout their, their journey. And, and as I often say, as I'm re recruiting potential students, we'll meet you where you are. Mm -hmm. And of course, as Commissioner of Higher Education, you, you know the challenges that we have here with our K-12 system and being able to have college-ready kids. All our kids aren't ready. Right. But we can't leave it to chance or, or to, you know, the, the stars to line up that these kids would somehow, uh, you know, raise themselves up by their own bootstraps, right? right. We, we have to take that extra step uh, out to, to them, meet them where they are, and, and help to guide them where they have the, the, the God-given ability uh, to, to go. And, and that, that love and support is just not there at, at other schools. Not that they don't offer you know, a valuable education, but, but for the, the vast majority of the students that, that we serve, we provide a, a combination of, of love, sometimes tough love, that they need and, and, a, and a high quality education that prepares them to be competitive in this, in this global uh, economy that, that they're expected to, uh, to, to, to participate in and compete in. You know, when, as I listen to you talk, I think about the sort of combination of excellence, expectation, and nurturing. 
and it seems that that has just been sort of a secret sauce around the HBCU experience. As I talk to students, my parents, um, grandma and graduates, my grandmother, Southern University, each of them talk about, myself, my PhD at Southern, talk about this sort of expectation that you're going to do amazing things, but we need to raise this bar and you're going to go over the bar because so many people, as you've said, believe that you can do it. And if you're falling short, they're going to surround you with the kind of support and the kind of expectation that allows you to really believe that you can. Mm -hmm. well, and, and you know, when, when I think about uh, you know, Grambling in particular, so you've got a group of black farmers, okay, who write Booker T. Washington at Tuskegee and, and say to him, we want to start a school will you send us someone? And he handpicks Charles P. Adams, this mm -hmm. six foot nine, you know, um, uh, you know mountain of a man uh, to come to, to rural north central Louisiana to, to start a school. And, and so in 1901, we're just what, 35 years past uh, the, the end of, of slavery. Mm -hmm. and, and so you have some former slaves and children of slaves who are now trying to do something they've not had an opportunity to do before, and that is to get an education. And so that, that's the foundation, that's the, the building blocks. And yes, we have had to build on that each time and continue to raise the expectations of, of our, because we started from, from zero, you know, from, from ground zero. So I, I think you, you see just a continuation of never being complacent with what we've achieved. You know, I, I look back at the work that um, uh, all of our you know, presidents have, have uh, you know, all the improvements they've made, all the great things. R.W. Jones, you know, 41 years as, as president. There were 120 students when he became president and over 4,000 when, uh, when, when he left. But this was segregated rural north central Louisiana, if you can just imagine the, the challenges that, uh, yes. that he faced. So again, each, each generation has, uh, has a responsibility to build and, and do better than the, previous, uh, than the previous ones. Last question, um, as you reflect on the future, what do you think the future will say about our HBCUs as people in the future perhaps walk through this museum beyond our lifetime? What will they say about historically black colleges and universities in Louisiana? I think they will say, as you and I have often heard, uh, we have mastered the art of doing more with less. Right. Uh, I think we have mastered the, uh, the, the idea of punching above our weight. I think we have, punching above our weight with one hand tied behind our back at, at times. Uh, I think it is, um, you know, it, it is something that will be looked at as they persevered and, and the resilience of the, the entire ecosystem, because it, it, there's so many pieces to, to this, but the entire ecosystem really um, never lost sight of the mission. And, and that was to provide a better life for all that we have had the opportunity to, uh, to impact. And I think that, that, is the mission, that was the mission in 1901 it's the mission in 2023, and it will continue to be that, that mission in, in 2050 and beyond. Absolutely. You know, this 
you and I have this shared commitment to talent development in our yes. state and, and in our nation. And so I just want to thank you, President Gallo, for your tremendous leadership uh, and for your vision. And I will tell you, uh, being that it's cele we're celebrating HBCU Day at the Capitol, it is wonderful to watch you in the House and Senate, seeing your colleagues, celebrating you, wanting to speak with you, cheering you on, uh, because you have been just a powerful presence talking about the importance of our HBCUs, excellence, black excellence. Um, and so you've made a tremendous impact, a tremendous difference, and I'm so proud. Well, and, and, and Madam Commissioner, I have to also say, though, you have provided the leadership that we've needed at the highest level of education in this state, which makes so much of what we're able to do possible. And it is because you are in the in the role that you are and not just uh, ceremonially you are supportive of us in in ways that quite frankly uh, we, we've not always had and and so again I, I think you know anything that we've been able to accomplish in in my tenure is in large part because of having you as our leader of all of higher education and, and supporting us uh, in, in things that we've tried to do to make the university better. Well, thank you. No I and team. Happy to be a partner in this work. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Madam Commissioner. One of Louisiana's newest university presidents joins us now. She is only the second female president at Dillard University, uh, and this is her first HBCU experience, and I will tell you she was a speaker today and knocked it out of the park. Dr. Ford, welcome. Thank you so much for having me as part of this series. It's wonderful to be have you with us. So you're coming up on your one-year anniversary, I believe. So I'm curious about reflections on what this first year has meant to you. The thing that has brought me the most joy in being the president of Dillard University, which is Louisiana's oldest HBCU, founded in 1869, are the students. Yes. The fact that we have students who are excelling as leaders, uh, one student is a finalist for Fulbright, but also is making decisions, should he go that direction or should he accept an offer from the CDC to help lead some clinical trials. Wow. As a recent graduate. Wow. He's been studying research on medical history, but is also um, doing other research that is in the natural sciences. He's the humanities and sciences blended together and working on racial justice issues. Oh, Another student who's a Wrangell Scholar, which is one of the first for our, our campus, and then to have another meet alumni who are judges and who um, are being voted on for amazing federal bench appointments. It's our students. And then to win a track championship on top of that, both for cross country and for outdoor track and field. Yes. We're raising champions and leaders. That's so wonderful. And you know, I know that you, are, were, you were an HBCU student. Um, and I wonder how the fact that you were attended Howard University, were a graduate from there, 
How has the fact that you came through an HBCU as a student, how has that impact your leadership as an HBCU president? I'm a second generation HBCU alum. Uh, my father went to an HBCU, my brother also attended an HBCU, and I did too. It's part of the fabric of who our family is. My dad was first gen, and that's the story of so many of our students. It helped me to understand that HBCUs built the black middle class. My grandfather had up to a third grade education. My grandmother had up to a fifth grade education. He was part of the Great Migration and worked in the steel mills. And my grandmother, she was a domestic. But to think that in two generations, not only would my father earn a degree, become part of the black middle class, have enough savings that my mom doesn't have to worry about work and retirement, and now I have a PhD yes. and am president of the university, and actually the second president from Howard University, the first oh. was also a Howard alum. Wow. <laughs> That's fantastic. As you say, it transforms lives. Generations are enriched as a result of the um, experiences, the educational opportunities that come from our HBCUs. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So this is your first HBCU day at the Capitol. I know you've had a chance to look at the exhibits, the fact that we have permanent exhibits celebrating our HBCUs in a state museum. What does that say to you and what does it say about the value of these institutions? The fact that the State Museum has a permanent exhibit demonstrates that they recognize the history and the power of these institutions on our state's progress. Our state has a, a history of slavery and was known as one of the most scariest places to be sold into slavery. You didn't want to end up down in New Orleans sold into slavery. But then to know that today we have representatives and senators who are HBCU alums governing, that we have mayors of our cities who are HBCU alums, to know that the first nursing program, accredited nursing program, was at Dillard University in HBCU. That's the legacy of progress a place that was scary that now we are destination. There are no HBCUs in California's, but when you look at the out-of-state students, where do Californians come to school? They come Louisiana. right here to Louisiana. And so it's a testament of our impact, not just on Louisiana, but on the entire nation. The president of Disney branded television is a Dillard University HBCU grad. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So we're so excited to have you here in Louisiana. We look forward to following your success. One final thought as you reflect on the alumni, the students, the impact, and being in the state's capital in these conversations today, at this time, at this point in time, any final thought? I think that Louisiana is amazing that they listen to the voices of both the public and the private institutions. Our state values choice in education. And the fact that our students can take their top dollars, that they're the top students in Louisiana, and they can choose to go to a private institution or a public institution is a testimony to the faith that Louisiana has in higher education. And I am so proud to be a part of this state and the commitment that it has to support both the Dillards and the Xavier's, as well as the Southerns and the Cramblings, that we are all in this together.
Well, thank you so much. You're so right. Talent development is a full-on team approach, a Big Ten approach. Um, and so we're just very proud that you are now leading Dillard University and are a part of the higher ed family. Um, and just honored to uh, see, your, see you soar and see your success. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. That concludes our special HBCU edition of Louisiana's Got Talent, a monthly podcast produced by the Louisiana Board of Regents. To learn more about our work here at Regents, please visit www.laregents.edu or connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for listening. Got talent.